I want you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 13. This is the message I was going to preach last week, (laughs) but COVID had other plans for my family last week. And so thank you, Paul, for stepping up and preaching for me. Um, I thought Paul did throw the gauntlet down that I have to lead worship next time he's sick. That will be Greenbelt's last day as a church, just so you know, uh, if I'm actually leading worship. And um, But it, I just really appreciate you, Paul, for sharing last week. Um, just to kind of help us get our brain around what I want to talk about today, just, um, just by way of show of hands, how many of you have ever gone on a vacation and you hired a tour guide to help show you around? Anyone ever done that? A few hands go up. Okay, we hire tour guides. I I have two key times where I have done this in my life. Once I was in kind of the Caribbean, we weren't, actually someone here from the church had said, oh, you got to go to this hotel called Atlantis, and there's this big like aquarium that you can visit. And so we got a tour guide to take us around to go and see the aquarium. Like, I I love fish. Like, I'm just, I love fish. I've got like this little tiny fish tank uh, at home, and, and these things just like multiply and breed like rabbits and I got more if you want free fish come and talk to me I got more fish than I know what to do with but I love fish and so we're at this aquarium and I'm all excited about this trip to to visit this aquarium and we had the worst tour guide on the planet she was bored to be there it was like we were an inconvenience to her she's like well here's the shark like, dude, it's a shark. Like, it, you should just be like, this is incredible, right? And she was just like, and then she would like sing these songs, back to life, back to reality. And I was just, what are you doing? You know, like this cost me like some money here that we paid for, right? And you're stuck having to follow this. Well, another time when my wife and I, we were celebrating our 10th anniversary, we got to go to the Vatican. And so we're at the Vatican, and we had a a guide there who knew everything about everything. And he was dynamic, and he was interesting, and he was cracking jokes, and, 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 and he just brought this place with all these statues to life. And I could have stayed there for a month listening to him and following him. See, the reality is, is you actually have a guide in your life right now. And we've been talking about this throughout this series, why it's important for us as followers of Jesus to be able to hear and discern the voice of God, whether it's through his word, whether it's through all the other ways that God can be speaking to us. You and I have a guide But what we're going to do today is start to make a little bit of a shift that at the end of the day, it's not so much about whether we hear God, but the tough reality that you and I have got to really be able to answer is when I finally hear him, do I listen to it? Now, when I was in seminary and taking one of my preaching courses, the, 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 the professor taught us that every single pastor who is preaching the word of God has got to balance the fine line of taking a text. And the fine line is we could 
fall very, very prophet. Where we can pull out the text and say, church, wake up. And it can be a little harsh when the prophet voice comes out. The other default is we can be very shepherd. Oh, I know Jesus loves you. I know you keep sinning, but that's fine. Jesus forgives you and he loves you and it doesn't matter. Just come and let's just hug each other and have a potluck. Okay. Today I'm going to try to do my best to dance on this line. Some of you might feel like this is going to be harsh. And maybe for you it needs to be. For me it needs to be. Because the world needs a church that is listening and obeying what God says for us to do. It's not enough to just hear him. We have to grow and do what he tells us to do. So that being said, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 13. This is a a story here in the New Testament. And I want us to see how followers of Jesus in a season when the church was brand new, the church is brand new. They're still figuring things out of what it means to be the church in their cultural context. And here we see these followers of Jesus, not just simply hearing the voice of God, but they're obeying the voice of God. They are trusting in God's guidance. They believe that God is the ultimate guide and they're willing to follow and do what the guide tells them to do. So let me read here from Acts chapter 13. I'm going to be starting in verse 1. It says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas, there was Simeon called Niger, there was Lucius of Cyrene, there was Mananin who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and there was Saul. And so while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so the two of them, being Paul and Barnabas, though they're sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia and they sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. And they traveled through the whole island until they came to Pathos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. And the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them, and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. And then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas, and he said, You are a child of the devil, and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kind of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? And now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. 
And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This could seem like a little bit of a bizarre story in, in talking about following our guide. And, and hopefully this will make a little bit more sense why I want us to look at how these men of God respond to the prompting of God. See, whenever we study something like this, it's very easy for us to just kind of look at it and moralize it. Well, you just need, Kevin, to be more like Paul. Or you, Kevin, just need to be more like Barnabas. And and if you've known me for a while, you know I'm actually really, really against uh, Bible teaching for just moralistic behavior modification. I don't want you to just behave like Paul and Barnabas. I want you to believe like Paul and Barnabas. We're looking at their faith, not their actions. But we see their faith because of their actions. So this isn't about behave like them. This is about letting the word of God help us believe like them. Right. So here in Acts chapter 13, this is where the author Luke, um, he switches from what's going on in Jerusalem to begin focusing on the mission trips of Paul. If you're not familiar with who Paul is, well, Paul was a Jewish leader. And Paul, or Saul, as his Jewish name is, he was commissioned by the Jewish leaders to arrest Christians. The Jewish people did not like the message that Jesus was their Messiah. They wanted the traditions of the elders. They wanted to keep their religious way of living. And this whole idea that everybody can be welcomed into the family of God, not by keeping all the Jewish law, but by letting the Jewish law point to the fact that you're a sinner and that nobody is capable of keeping the entirety of the law. What the law does is it shows us that we're lawbreakers. And that everybody, Jew, Gentile, free, slave, Greek, non-Greek, male, female, it doesn't matter. You can all be made right with a holy God because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so this is the message that is going on. And again, the shift from the early church in Jerusalem. And now we see this being spread all over the world. We're introduced here in Acts chapter 13 to the church in a city called Antioch. And the city of Antioch is actually quite significant. This is where the believers in Jesus are first called Christians. This is the launching point of Paul's missionary trips. It's predominantly non-Jewish people. And so you can get the sense that out of this city of Antioch, where these non-Jewish people are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, they're beginning to follow God in power. And that's why you see there's a lot of tension among the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. It's like, hey, wait a minute. How come like, we're seeing like, evidence of God working among them? Isn't this just for us? And they have to deal with that tension. 
But there's this huge passion coming out of Antioch to see more people know Jesus. It'd be very, very simple for the church in Antioch to just close their doors and just be busy taking care of themselves. Because I'm sure there were lots of things that they needed to take care of in Antioch. But their driving force is not themselves. Their driving force is to go and to see Jesus be made known in the entire world. And so the big idea that I want to unpack together as we look at this text here and see how this applies to our own faith is this, this is the idea. The big idea is this. It's following God's guidance changes lives. When you are actually listening to the voice of God, listening for the voice of God, hear the voice of God, and then respond in obedience to the voice of God, it changes lives. Starting with your own. (laughs) Starting with your own. And so that's kind of the first point here as we unpack this is this. And I encourage you to write these down so you can talk about them in your life group. And I know you talked about this topic already in your life group this week because this was supposed to be last week's message. Well, then you can go back and say, oh, my goodness, we've got to like unpack this a little bit more. And that's okay. <laughs> but this is the first idea that we have to see from this text is that um, we have to become men, women, boys, and girls that are obeying the guidance received. This is, for me, when we talk about what does discipleship mean, becoming more like Jesus, it means that we're actually learning and growing and becoming more obedient to God, not to earn his love, but out of response of his love, that we learn to grow, to obey the guidance that we received, right? Verse uh, three shows a very interesting response to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Like here in verse three, it says, right, that, that, that the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Now, the text doesn't tell us, was this audible? Doesn't say. It's just in quotes, okay? So you can go, well, maybe it was. Maybe it was like the Holy Spirit just showed up in their worship service and they heard this voice. Maybe it was that small voice prompting that they heard in their quiet time of prayer and fasting. Maybe it was while they were teaching the scriptures and they heard the voice of God being proclaimed through the word. We don't know. We just know the Holy Spirit spoke. And then they do something really, really interesting. And we've talked about this in this series already. Is they hear it. They pause. They discern. Is this of God? They pray. They fast. They continue. And then they obey. That's the journey that you and I are on, of learning to become men, women, boys, and girls who obey. And this is where it can be a challenge. 
Like, I think this is why it's so awesome when we can talk to missionaries and we can talk to people who are doing the work of Jesus in other parts of the world. Because we as Canadians can kind of feel like the purpose of church is to please me, <laughs> to entertain me, to, to make me comfortable. That I don't deal with illness or hardship or problems or any kind of struggle. That if God loved me, this is the, where the shepherd comes out, if God loved me, my life would be amazing and perfect. <laughs> and, and we do everything to just build into our own comfort as followers of Jesus. And, and there's tension there. And so we hear sermons and we read our Bible and we get comfortable with it. But it has to, at the end of the day, lead you to action. Every sermon, every time you open your Bible, every time you pray, you open yourself up to hearing the voice of God. Is your default response to obey and to do something with it? And I get there's a tension because, no, faith is just about growing in faith. Well, according to your Bible... In James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. Sorry, that's the prophet came out just a little bit. I don't care how much you tell me about your faith. I don't. I want to see it. Your non-Christian family members don't necessarily just need to hear about your faith. They need to see it. Your colleagues at work, if you're at work and you're a jerk, it doesn't matter how good you know your Bible. They only see the jerk. Okay? Faith Action, they're so intertwined together, right? And so this journey that we are on is a journey to grow in obedience, right? This is the regular, normal pattern of Jesus's ministry. Like Mark just shared, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Pick up your cross daily. Die to your wants and your desires and your dreams and your plans and seek first God's kingdom. And then you'll have everything you ever want. It's a journey of obedience that has to come from hearing God. We live in a day and an age where we know more Bible than we live. I know more Bible than I live. <laughs> you don't need to pray, God, should I be nice to my neighbor? Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> you don't need to pray, Lord, there's this Christian that I don't like, and I never want to talk to them again, so God, that's good, right? You don't need to pray that prayer. 
Because your Bible says be reconciled with one another. Do the hard work. Reconciliation is hard work. Do it. You don't need to pray if you should do it. The Bible says to do it. God, should I be generous? Bible says be generous. Bible should, God, should I volunteer? The Bible says you've been given a spiritual gift for the building up of the body of Christ. Use your gift. There's so many things that we pray about <laughs> because we don't want to obey. And the journey that you and I are on is a journey of obedience. It's a journey of obedience. So what we see Paul and Barnabas do, they don't have all the answers. They're just told to go. And they respond and they go. The second thing that we see from them that we can learn about their faith is that when we go, when we finally choose, okay, God, I know you're telling me to do this. I know you're prompt. This has been affirmed. Um, Now I need to be prepared for the opposition. I need to prepare for the opposition. We live in a culture today, which isn't any different than Paul and Barnabas's culture. They lived in a culture where the message that Jesus is the one and only way to God the Father was not a popular message. You and I today live in a culture where the belief that Jesus is the only way to God the Father is not a popular opinion. The call to holiness, the call to the way God would have his people live is not popular. And because it's not popular, you should expect opposition. I was actually joking about this with a couple of pastors this week. We were praying together and chatting. And um, we kind of go, God must really, really love you when you see a whole lot of opposition in your life. (laughs) Because, wow, God must really, really trust you. (laughs) Because the enemy doesn't like you at all. And the enemy is throwing stuff and 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 throwing stuff at you. And he's kicking the snot out of you. Yeah, and I've said worse than snot. Okay, you guys know this. Okay? okay. I think we should be worried when we as a church, when life is too comfortable. When everything's awesome. When there's no problems. When it's just, everything's fine. Because we don't see that pattern in the life of the followers of Jesus. Like here, what we see in Acts chapter 13 is we have these magicians that show up. This is the second time that magicians or sorcerers are in the story in the book of Acts. We can see the first one in Acts chapter 8. But the purpose of these magicians or these sorcerers is always to be in opposition of the teaching and of the way of Jesus. That is their purpose. So when they show up with their little capes and their magic hats and their bunnies and their magic wands, that's what I picture when I picture a sorcerer. Okay, maybe it's all the upbringing with little magic shows as a kid, right? Their purpose is to take you away from Jesus. That's their goal. Constantly, constantly, constantly. Is the spiritual forces that are out there 
their purpose is to take people away from the teachings of Jesus. And that's why spiritual things look good. No one's going to follow something that's blatantly evil. I wouldn't. Would you? Like, I'm always amazed when you hear those, those stories in the news where people actually drank Kool-Aid. You know, and you know what I mean by that? Where everyone's following some cult leader, and then the cult leader just leads them down this dark path. Like, how does that happen? Well, because it didn't start there. <laughs> it starts with, this is good. And you'll be enlightened. And you'll know peace. And you'll know love. And you'll get money. And you'll get women. And you'll get glory. Everything that the human heart desperately wants. Gold, girls, and glory. Or boys. Okay? And those three things take out more Christians than anything. Because we're not ready to deal with the opposition. Right? Jesus said those words, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Right When we see Paul and Barnabas dealing with this sorcerer, of dealing with this wizard, their response is not their own strength, but their response is the strength and the words that God gives them. So we grow in that. And the only way you can grow in that is when you are taking steps of obedience to prepare you for it. The journey of obedience. So if we grow to obey. We get prepared for the opposition. And that's when suddenly lives begin to change. This is what we see. That This is how the action. Paul and Barnabas are obedient. They face opposition. And lives change. Right? And this is where I say this. <laughs> is that when you are growing in obedience, when I'm growing in obedience, when I am growing in dealing with opposition, when you are growing in dealing in opposition, the first life that changes is your own. Like Paul, by his own confessions in his own writings, confesses his religious pride and arrogance. And he calls himself the worst of sinners. But he kept all the rules. He kept all the regulations. Everyone would have seen him as the best Jewish leader possible. But he knew his real heart. He knew where his sin was really bringing him. And that he could be completely transformed by the hope and the peace and the mercy and the love of knowing his heavenly father. It changed him completely. And then he takes that message of the hope of God. And he stands before leaders. He stands before rulers as a humble, broken man. (laughs) And what's fascinating for me about this story here in Acts chapter 13, you'd think that the proconsul, kind of this government leader, would have become a follower of Jesus because they saw the sorcerer get smited. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, look, the Lord just like made this person blind, completely smited them. And so I'm going to believe now. 
It's not actually what the Bible says. It says, when the proconsul saw what happened in verse 12, he believed. Why? For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. You see, there's a lot of spiritual things that are doing a lot of really wackadoo stuff in the world today. And we can witness miracles upon miracles and all of this stuff. But if it's not leading to the teaching about Jesus, and it's not leading to salvation in Jesus' name, and if it's not leading that you can be known by a Father in heaven forever, forever, that you can be welcomed into his kingdom because of Jesus' death and resurrection, then it's just some spiritual thing that should be ignored. Right? It's the teaching about Jesus, the teaching that he received about the Lord. Right? And this is why we grow in being able to teach the word of God. This is why I believe every single follower of Jesus should know how to share their, their testimony and what God has done in your life. Every single Christian should know how to give the gospel in 30 seconds or less. Everyone needs to know some basics about your Bible. Because if you're just waiting for me to preach to them, your family members might be waiting a long, long time. Because I may never meet them. But they're going to meet you. And so we need to get grow in this to see more lives changed. Right? This is exactly how God works when he calls people to obedience, right? In Romans chapter 10, it says, how then can they call on the one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? I mean, I love missionaries and I love going on missions trips. I'm shocked that I say that because up till 2019, you couldn't get me on an airplane to save my life. But now I'm open to it. And I love how God uses that. But you are a sent person. As a follower of Jesus today, you are sent. I am sent. And we have to ask ourselves a tough question. And the tough question is, God, do I obey? Do I obey? I mean, I could go around the room and I could ask us all one by one, has God ever told you to do something and your answer was no? I could say, that's happened in my life, where God has clearly spoken and told me to do something. And I went, get behind me, Satan. That was the response. (laughs) We got to be challenged by this way of thinking. It's not enough to just hear God but it's to step into a faith where we obey God when he calls us into the life that he's called us to. So what keeps us from obeying? All of us will have a different answer. Maybe we doubt God. I don't know enough about this God to trust him. Then get to know him more. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, and I don't know how God would want to use me. Then go on that journey to figure that out. Well, I I just really just kind of 
like my own sin. And I'd rather just sit in that. Well, be set free from that. Because Jesus has something even greater for you than the sin that the enemy is keeping you trapped in. We've got to step out in faith to be men and women, boys and girls, that follow this tour guide to the life that you've been called to. You can follow the cheap, boring tour guide. Or you can follow Jesus, who's got a plan for you, who's got a purpose for you, who's got a mission for you to engage in, and wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine through his power at work in his church. Let's become those people who obey, and then the world will be changed. Let's pray. Father God, I'm grateful for how um, you forced me into rest last week with four days of fever and four days in bed to just listen to you. And Father, forgive me when I am disobedient. Father, forgive me when I'd rather do things my way than your way. But God, God, we're grateful for your forgiveness. We're grateful for your mercy. We're grateful for your encouragement. And we're grateful for how you spur us on as a family. And so, Lord, as we continue in this journey of the way, of learning to hear and discern the voice of God, may we learn from the church fathers. May we learn from those who have gone before us. May we see examples of their faith lived out in our own lives so that we would truly, Father, be obedient to how you call us to live. And Father, as we learn to walk in obedience, change us. Change us more into the image of Jesus. And use us, Father, to change the people around us who we love. Our family members that we love our friends at school, our colleagues at work, our neighbors, our friends. God, use us to even change the heart of our enemies. God, we know that you're at work when you change our hearts towards our enemies. (laughs) And that's what you call us to live, how you call us to live. (laughs) And so just with in this posture of prayer, I just want to give a chance. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and this idea of Jesus dying for your sin is new to you. Maybe you believed that it's just about being religious. Maybe you believed it's just about going to church, being a good girl or a good boy. Um, I can tell you that I spent a whole lot of my life living that way and it doesn't get you anywhere. It just makes you angry and religious and it makes you wave a holy finger at people around you. But thankfully, we have a Father in Heaven who loves us. Father in Heaven who sent His one and only Son to die for us. And that we can know God intimately and personally by simply saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus 
to die for my sin. I know I'm not perfect. I know I got stuff. But Lord, I want to hear your voice more. I want to learn to follow you. Just come into my life and make me new. If you pray like that today, here in the room, come and tell me in the cafe afterwards, church online, a little pop-up shows up. Please click that so we can follow up with you. And for the rest of us, whether we prayed that today or whether we prayed that decades ago, God, I pray this week that God would speak to you very clearly in a way that he has never spoken to you before. And that you wouldn't just simply hear that going, wow, that was cool. And then just move on with your life. (laughs) That you would actually do what he tells you to do. If he tells you to talk to a neighbor, go talk to the neighbor. If he tells you to donate to a charity, donate to the charity. If he tells you to volunteer somewhere, go volunteer somewhere. If he tells you to invite a friend to church, invite the friend to church. Whatever it is, take a step of obedience this week. And watch how God will use that to change you and lives around you. Let's continue to worship.